Love Talk Radio. <coughs> Good afternoon, and this is Patty Holstrain, and we're on live again on KWOD Radio. I have the very greatest pleasure of introducing Tony to today, and I sure hope I don't uh, butcher his last name, Volpentist. I sure hope that's right, but he is the fastest man in the world, or that's what his book is all about. And to those who are lucky enough to meet him, Tony is a superhero, a man who lives in the moment and who exemplifies his message of, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Most athletes can only dream of running in the Olympics. Tony not only achieved his dream, but rose to the top of his sport. This accomplishment is all the more incredible because Tony was born without hands and feet, yet was four-time Paralympic gold medalist and five-time world champion in the sprint distances. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to finally be able to talk to you, Tony. Are you there? I am, Patty. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully you can hear um, a little bit of what I'm, I said. I gave you an introduction. Yes, ma'am. And uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Oh, thank you. I have thank as you. well. Here you are in Arizona. So, you know, you are my neighbor. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's down the street from you. <laughs> well, you probably live in Paradise Valley or something, but, you know, uh, yeah, the valley is a valley. I am actually down in Chandler. Ah, see, there you go. <laughs> I lived in Chandler for a little bit, but I grew up mostly in Mesa. Oh, okay. Very so nice. I actually I spent my years in Seattle, in the Seattle area, and I moved here about twelve years ago. I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah. So some of your running uh, career was done before you moved here. Actually, um, I retired two years after I moved here. So, yeah, the the, the lion's share of my career was uh, when I was in Seattle. I I moved here because I thought, you know, I, I competed well in heat, so I thought maybe if I trained in heat, I would compete even better in the heat. Um, until I found out that, you know, 110 degrees is really, really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you get get too skinny if you, if you sweat it all off, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to tell you that I put off a couple of your uh, web pages information, and one of them I didn't put in here yet, and I'm going to uh, add is your race history. Okay. Because you know that really shows how long you've been racing. And yeah, it shows how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it's kind of funny because I I see pictures of you, and then uh, we've got the media picture of you, which is apparently really recent. Yeah, and and you're all grown up. I <laughs> I am all grown up. <laughs> um, I think I hopefully I've matured a little bit. I think I have, but yeah, that uh, that media picture is only about two months old. Okay, that was plain, and of course that's probably in the back of your book. Yes. Yeah. Correct. As, as I, I don't have your book yet, so that's uh, just to let you know. I am oh, going. Oh, shame. I <laughs> <laughs> should have it shortly. We'll we'll, we'll take care of that. Yeah, that's no problem. I just, you know, because I again, I I do look at um, everything that you have online, and you you've got a, a very informative website, and uh, love your your logo, and you know your message. Your message is really what it's all about. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I adopted the, well, so, you know, if you can dream it, you can achieve it as a variation on what Walt Disney, I know he's been quoted as saying that specifically, but more specifically he's quoted as saying, if you can dream it, you can do it. Uh, but I had a high school basketball coach and, that that lived and breathed and uh, ingrained into his athletes that if you can leave it, if you can dream it, you can achieve it motto. And I saw what it did for for my high school basketball team when they were really not picked to do anything and they went on to um, you know state championships and and were just a very dominant force. So I, I adopted that really from from my uh, my old basketball coach in high school. And that that was in Seattle. That was that was in Edmonds, Washington. Oh, well, okay. technically, it was in Woodway. People that are listening from my hometown would probably be upset if I just said Edmonds. <laughs> when I went to the school, it was it was Woodway High School. And my senior year, we actually merged with Edmonds, and it became Edmonds Woodway High School. Oh well, yeah, that's a technicality, but you know they they do get weird in small towns. <laughs> People get sensitive sometimes, yeah. That's right. That's right. So tell us about how you got started in this, because apparently you've had, a, you know, a really good mindset since you were very young. Well, you know, so I was just to, to maybe catch everyone up um, that's listening. I was born without hands and feet, and uh, you know, I, my parents had obviously a, kind of a difficult, um, a difficult way when when I was born because they weren't really sure what the future was going to hold for. You know this little this little infant without hands and feet, and my mom turned to my dad when I was, you know, as she's holding me in the in the uh, in the hospital, and says, "If there was ever any doubt about our what our mission in life is, now we know." And you know, my mom, my parents, I really credit them with, um, you know, the, the the majority of my success because they always treated me like my other brothers and sisters, and they always made me get in and fight for anything that I wanted, um, and they really made me. Um, uh, feel like I was not any different, even though I knew I was. You know, I knew obviously I looked different, but uh, but they never really made me feel that way. So I just kind of, you know, went through my childhood thinking and believing that that uh, I was just as capable, or if not more capable, of doing all the things that I was watching my friends do. It is. It does have a lot to do with uh, you know product of your environment, and I've been talking about that a lot lately. And, you know, having great parents really does help the child to really adjust to what they need to do in life or what, you know, their missions are in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you apparently were meant to, uh, you know, uh, be a great example for others. Well, you, you know, I think um, one of the other uh, lessons I learned when I was young is that as you travel through life, you have to recognize and seize opportunities when they present themselves and Absolutely. you know, although you know, I, I I definitely subscribe to the um, to the theory of the law of attraction. Um, although I think that um, you know we're kind of getting to the point where that that can be proved uh, in a scientific way. But at any rate, I I really have been employing this law of attraction for for gosh since before I can remember. I've always envisioned what it, what it was I wanted before it it came to me. So. Um, you know, I really uh, I think that for anybody, even though even those that aren't in the fortunate situation to have parents that kind of guide them and encourage them as they're growing up, if they can just wrap their their head around the idea that whatever it is they that they imagine them themselves doing, if they can overcome their own perceived limitations, then mm-hmm. those things are going to come to them. They're gonna they're gonna work toward those. 
Definitely, definitely, and that's, and that's uh, it's kind of funny that here we had uh, have you coming on here, and everyone's been sending me little uh, quotes and things like that, and uh, on my Facebook page, and and I'm going like it's it just that just shows you. <laughs> That's just great timing here. I'll just work it right in and let you guys know, hey, you know, you need to come and listen here. Definitely. <laughs> Utilize those uh, those great quotes and, and you know, uh, trying to uh, give them all an idea of, hey, yeah, you, you, you need to make it work, make it happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I've got uh, a bunch of them now making a, a, a bold statement. You know, do they have to... Decide on to do one thing per week, and okay. focus on and focus on it. Mm-hmm. You know, done. You have to write it down, and you know, focus on it all week in order right. to make it happen. So Absolutely. you know, it may be a little chunk, but you know, little chunks turn out to be big ones. You know, that's such an important uh, message. I, I I've been asked many many times. Um, I actually get approached quite a bit when I'm when I'm with my personal trainer, and 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 I'm asked, you know, not that I'm you know I'm not the buffest guy in the world. I, I'm in shape. I think I I you know I feel good and and I'm happy with with where I'm at uh, physically. But a lot of folks, you know, they'll look at me and they'll say, "How is he doing this without hands and feet? He's not overweight. He, he's in great shape. He he's completing the workouts. Although sometimes I'm I'm laying on the floor. It <laughs> just depends on the day." <laughs> But you know, a lot of times those that that maybe are fighting a harder battle because they've uh, maybe they've put off their their focus on their nutrition and and their exercise for too long or longer than they should have, and and they're they're fighting obesity or they're fighting weight loss. And I I, I always tell them the same thing, and that is, it's the small little decisions that you're going to make right now here in the gym today, and the small decisions you're going to make when you leave here as to what you're going to be putting in your body to fuel it that is ultimately going to decide how you're going to turn out two, three, four, five years from now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think we live in a in a society today where everyone just wants this instant gratification yeah. and nobody nobody wants to put the work in. And, and I think it's important for people to be reminded that it, it is those little small baby steps that are going to get you to that, what's maybe perceived to them initially as kind of the unattainable goal. So I applaud, I applaud your, your effort there. Well, we get that a lot with authors. You know, they they are writers. You know, before they're authors, uh, they they jump too fast. Uh, they you know they as soon as they say they're done with it, you know they say the end. They think they're done, right. and you know that's that's <laughs> not the case. That's not the case at all. They, they need to I learn. Laugh <laughs> Go ahead. I laugh because I I think I did seven quote unquote final revisions. <laughs> <laughs> of my book, so that's why I'm laughing. I can appreciate that. <laughs> and and really, that's what it should be, you know, because right. you're never going to get everything. Uh, going through, have somebody go through it once, is not enough. No, uh, you know, I catch things, you know, later. Yeah, once you get it in printed format, even. Uh, right. I I say read through it again because I assure you, you're going to find things because. Oh. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> By a. Uh, my publisher Betty, she shared a story with me not too long ago. She said that she had a reader, um, you know, because she she had many many books before she went into to, uh, publishing, and uh, she said she had a reader like ten or twelve years after she had published a particular book that came to her and said, "Did you know, on page such and such, 
of this book, uh, this word is misspelled. <laughs> so she she prepared me. She said, Tony, it's going to happen. Uh, it's just part of the process, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, the bulk of it is right on, and <laughs> we won't get too much of that. So I can definitely appreciate the process. It, it it's um, it's I, I think that if as long as you have the passion for it, the, for for mm-hmm. whatever the story is you want to tell. Uh, you know, for me, there were times where it felt like work, but there, I'm so passionate about about my my journey and my message and where I want to go. You know, even though I wrote the book, I'm not finished. I, I want to continue pushing forward and 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 add to um, you know what I consider to be a, a very fulfilling life. I want it to be even more fulfilling, and I want to help it help fulfill lives of other people, which is why I'm continuing to push forward. Definitely, and of course, you you've got yourself a publicist. So that's yep. definitely uh, beneficial for you to be able to get your name out there. Definitely. Uh, that's so a lot of people who, who think, well, I got the book done. How come I'm not making all these right. all these sales? And it, it's like it doesn't, ha- you know, it's not how it works anymore. No. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you got to do a lot of a lot of work afterwards in in, in order to get the name out. And uh, oh. yeah, it's thank amazing. You probably do more work afterwards, just to prepare all those authors out there. Um, I think you probably do more work afterwards than you do in writing the actual work itself. Um, that, at least that's been my experience. And, and maybe, uh, well, I know I have a tremendous publicist. Uh, um, she's absolutely amazing. Uh, so that definitely helps, I think, in, in uh, feeling that I'm doing more work <laughs> than I did in actually writing the book. But it really helps to have the right team and not only, um, you know, looking for the key people, but looking for the people that really believe in your message. Because yes. somebody can be the best at what they do, but if they don't really believe in what you're trying to sell or what your message is, it's probably not going to be the best fit. I, I totally agree. If I can't stand behind uh, one of my authors, then I shouldn't be there. Right. That's, that's, that's just not a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, of course, you got started now. How long have you been writing this book? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so the book started actually with a ghostwriter back in Seattle almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And it, it didn't really – so, you know, we went through the normal um, channels of trying to have the big publishing houses pick it up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kept getting those letters saying, oh, we're very interested. Just, you know, t- right now is not the right timing. And um, you know, one one thing or another, and and had thought throughout the years about trying to self-publish. Uh, of course, that's um, you know, there's a lot of expense involved there. Uh, I I really feel that I've always been on a path in in my life. I've always felt that that when I'm on the correct path, the the path that I'm supposed to follow, things just kind of line up and everything happens. Part of that law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And when I'm off that path, things just kind of become stagnant. And I was off that path for about 10 years, and when I, you know, I went through divorce, and and I kind of went into what I call um, my survival mode, where you know yeah. I had a two-year-old little boy at the time, and I just wanted to make sure he was provided for and cared for and and loved and and those things. So I put my stuff on hold, and it wasn't until about three years ago um, I met uh, the love of my life, my my current wife, Cami, and and uh, I felt all of a sudden like I was right back on the path that I had fallen off of. And all of a sudden, all these amazing things and opportunities started to materialize and open up in front of me. And I met 
Betty and and um, you know we we were able to over the last two and a half years or so really take what what my story was and add to it the the hardship that came after my gold medals and 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 world records and you know really focus it on what I'm trying to do now and I I, I think if I had published it 20 years ago it wouldn't have been complete and. I mentioned earlier it's still really not complete because I'm going to keep pushing forward, but it's definitely to me more of a complete picture of my journey now than it would have been right after I I had won gold. Yeah, and you're more and and more likely that's true. Uh, you needed some years afterwards to really you know understand everything that happened right. and Absolutely. how it happened and, and and the mindset that you're in now, you know that comes with a little bit of age. Right. Uh, wisdom. I, no, I. <laughs> I wish we could bottle that wisdom and that age up and 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 feed it to our children. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I I, I, I do. I have an eighteen-year-old right now, uh-huh. uh, and so you know he, he's doing things now that as well. I'm eighteen. Well, does that mean that you can be stupid? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if we could only, you know, uh, give a little bit of our wisdom from the age, from our age to our uh, our, our offspring, then uh, that would be wonderful. But unfortunately, yes. that's just how it works. They have to make their own mistakes, um, yeah. and from it, just like we did. Yeah, it's all part of, part of the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His mistakes are different than my than my mistakes are, right. and he'll have his own. His own life that he's got to got to live. So I'm at that stage where he's he's uh, leaving the nest. So <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Well, sometimes they come back. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I'm moving to a one bedroom, so we can't do that. Aha! So you are out. <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> yeah, this, I agree. It's his decisions. He he, he needs to yeah. uh, take his opportunities in life. And uh, and he's going for his education, and and that's you know he needs to do that. Absolutely. So uh, I agree with your message on taking opportunities when they come. What was the first opportunity that came to you that you you saw and said, "Hey, I, I need to do something with this"? Well, you know, I think that I probably took opportunities or identified opportunities when I was a child that I didn't. I I don't think I. I I probably understood at the time that I was taking those opportunities and um you know my parents got me involved um well my parents didn't get me involved uh the march of dimes got involved in my life when I was very young and as a result of that uh I ended up doing some some telethon work and had some uh some on-screen appearances with uh Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chops the the puppet and uh, I think, you know, started to make an impact at a very early age. And, of course, I, I can't even remember those years, to be honest. I've seen pictures, and I know that I was there. But, you know, I think that um, that that's just kind of been the story of my life. Is All all along my journey, I've, I've just come across um, incredible opportunities and incredible people that have been in the right place at the right time for, for what it was that I needed to continue to push forward on, on my path. Um, so to give some more specifics, you know, when I, um, when I became an altar boy in, in parochial school, I went to a Catholic high school or a middle school and it was because I became an altar boy that, um, 
the the wife of a Shriner saw me serving Mass one day, and she approached the nuns and asked if they could talk to my parents and see if there was anything that the Shriners could do to help me. And as a result of those those efforts, the Shriners built the first prosthetics that I ran on in Barcelona in 1992 when I I first uh, captured gold and, and broke two world records. And then from, you know, moving on from there, I went to, uh, you know, preparing for the 96 games in, in Atlanta, and Ross Perot got involved. And, of course, he wrote the foreword for my book. And um, you wow. know, it's just, those have been the, the types of events that that, um, that have seemed to find me. And uh, huh. uh, I really, you know, I realized it, in high school that I had a very unique opportunity uh, in, in what started out, it, for track and field, in what started out for me as just wanting to meet people and be part of a team and and contribute to a team, um, because I was kind of shy, turned into this vehicle or this podium, uh, an opportunity for me to really spread a, a, a very positive message about what those of us with these quote unquote disabilities were really capable of doing. Awesome. Yeah, it has, you know, I, I suddenly got the uh, the idea of. Um, Forrest Gump, in that right. things just happen to him in such a way that that you know opportunity just just kind of fell in his lap. Absolutely, and that and, I, I, that would be a good <laughs> a good comparison. <laughs> so I haven't, and, met any, I haven't met any presidents, but uh, <laughs> gotten a few letters from some, but haven't met any personally. <laughs> But no, that's that's a great way to put it. You know, I I I think that, and again, this kind of goes back to if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I I, I think sometimes people are a little bit narrow-minded, even when they when they write down their goals. Um, I think it's really important. You know, something my my track coaches had always preached to me was, you know, you want to write your long-term and your short-term goals, and obviously your short terms are those little baby steps that you're going to take along the way. Um, but what I really, really enjoyed about my my coach Brian from the the '96 games in Atlanta, he had short term, long term, and then he had you know these astronomical goals as I would uh, sometimes refer to them. And, and the reason I did that was you know the short term goals are going to come and go really quick. At least that's the way I looked at them. And and soon enough, those long term goals were the short term goals. And so I better have had something prepared that was really far out there ahead so that those would kind of slide into the long-term range and then eventually you know i just kind of felt like there was this constant um treadmill of goals that was just kind of flowing i call those uh, blue sky goals oh i like that can i use that sure (laughs) all right i'm going to use that thank you yeah i have a partner who he says okay now i'm going to blue sky because he has to warn me (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like really out there, uh-huh. <laughs> and and he, he, he's a space nut, so you can imagine how far out his oh, his yeah. blue sky can get. I, so <laughs> he says, "I'm going to blue sky this warning you, so don't jump on it yet, because you right. got to work it." So I uh, said, so, "Well, thanks for the warning." <laughs> yeah. I think, "Oh no, not another one," <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> we think, got plenty more to do yet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's interesting. When I was uh, preparing for the games in Barcelona in 92, I went to a training camp in Colorado Springs. And at this training camp, they sat myself and some other athletes down with some sports psychologists. 
And one one day, we were there for about a week or so, one of the days they we, we were all sitting at the track, and they had us kind of sitting across from each other, and the sports psychologist started to go around in a circle and ask each of us to predict what we were going to run or how we were going to do in Barcelona in just a few months. And so it's, as it's going around the circle, it comes to me, and, and, and I have to say, the, the, the current world record holder at the time was sitting directly across from me in this circle. And so they get to me and they start asking me, Tony, what, you know, how are you going to do when you go to the games here in, in Barcelona? And I said, well, I think I'm going to run uh, about 11.6 in the 100, and I'm going to run um, you know, somewhere under 24 seconds in the 200 and, and break both world records. And, <laughs> of course, the look on the world record holder's face was, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I was you know, this, this 19-year-old kid. And, and the sports psychologist actually turned to me, one of them, and said, now, Tony, although we do encourage you to dream big, we also encourage you to keep it, you know, realistic. And I thought, well, that to me that was realistic. You know, your 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 perception is is your reality, as as my wife likes to say a lot. And uh, and my perception was that I was going to go and run those times and break the world records. And sure enough, I did. So <laughs> my perception was my reality in that instance. So um, tell your partner that <laughs> keep on with those blue sky those blue sky dreams because they will eventually uh uh materialize. Well, that's good because uh, I I'd hate to think that we are wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes it feel that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it because of how our out it is. Um right. It's yeah, and you know, you you're over 50, you're over 50 already. So it's like, okay, You've already just, uh, you know, told me about 20 things that's going to take at least three lifetimes to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you might want to, you know, it says you want to be, you want to, you want to be able to achieve these goals because it's, it, it'd be awesome if you did. So, well, you know, and I think so. You know, what I realized um, some time ago was that for me, you know, as I mentioned, I always felt like people have been in the right place at the right time for me throughout my my journey and my career mm-hmm. um and along those lines i you know i want to be that person that's going to be in the right place at the right time for others as i move forward in in my life and so i've i've uh i've started a nonprofit called helping others live determined and it yes, uh is it, it, it's it's to benefit amputees and 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 provide resources for those that um whether it be through education or through athletics uh, or maybe uh, uh, you know somebody needs a prosthesis and they don't have the insurance to cover it, uh, but they really have these very bold dreams and and they've demonstrated um, you know this passion, and I want to be in a position to be able to provide for for them and you know looking beyond so to, to go back to your story about you know you get to a certain age and you have to kind of start you know do I have three lifetimes worth of of accomplishments that I still want to have done, I would like to build the the nonprofit to a point where it's completely sustainable after I'm long gone, and somebody somebody else can pick it up and 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 run with it, and and maybe you know, 300 years from now, <laughs> somebody can say he did three <laughs> lifetimes worth of of accomplishments. So that that's part of that's part of the passion for doing that, and, and uh, <laughs> building something that's going to be here long after after you're gone. Yes, and that's what they I think we call. Um, uh, I forgot the word. I want to leave my legacy. There you go. Legacy, that yeah. was the word. 
Yeah. <laughs> Building your legacy that way, uh, it, it it lives on beyond you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's a good place to be. Good yeah. place to be because it's a good goal. Real good goal. I did include that. Um, everyone included. I'm including these links on the chats. So that way you guys can click on it and find out more. Um, he doesn't have anything on the foundation, per se, on his website yet. It, it says will be up shortly. Okay. Yep. Yes. It says it's going to get it soon. So uh, it does say to get a hold of him, though. So you guys can still have to so you can come back later and find out more. But along with that, you have some videos on here so everyone can enjoy that. I know that uh, my peeps like to watch videos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing. I like to tell people um, I've I've done motivational speaking on and off for goodness uh, 25 years now, and and uh, uh, it's funny. Some of my some of my biggest events, you know, there's four, five, six thousand people in attendance, and if I if I was introduced to the crowd with a video that showed me running or you know the, some of my world record runs, I always joked that I could literally walk out and just say. Uh, and people would start clapping because <laughs> I would get so pumped up watching these videos on these, you know, big jumbotrons in these really dark, you know, rooms with with that many people. Um, so they, I, I think they can really be powerful. I'm actually working right now to to update those. Um, I've had some new um, prosthetics, running prosthetics, built by uh, artificial limb specialists here in Phoenix, and um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start running again, Patty. I don't know how far it's going to go, but wow. I'm, I'm active on the track again, and, and um, you know that's uh, that's back on my radar. And you know, so it's funny. I I started, like I said, the book kind of got revived about three years ago, and and as it got closer and closer and closer, and then this year in 2012, I was nominated to be inducted into the Olympic Hall of Fame. Yes, uh, I didn't get it that I was nominated, which was just a huge honor. Um, I kind of started thinking to myself as these things were happening, wow, I really better make sure I can look the, the part. Yeah. Uh, so I started, <laughs> I started training uh, down here in Chandler with uh, Spartan Training, and Robert has done, he's done things with me that, are, that I have never done before in my career. Uh, you know, to be able to do pull-ups without hands, um, deadlifts, uh, you know, a lot of these exercises were very foreign to me, and, and, and I felt my body just, start to really grow and, and, and get stronger. And as this was happening, I thought, I, I need to get back on the track because I don't want to be, you know, 20 years from now thinking, why didn't I give it another shot when I was in such good shape? So um, yeah. so hopefully those videos will get updated shortly with some more current uh, track escapades. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Everyone, I included uh, his sponsors and affiliates, which includes the Spartan Training. Also includes Betty Young's uh, books on there as well. So that way you guys can click those and find out more about those companies. So I'm going to let everyone know now that your guest call-in number is 714-242-5145. I know you guys are there. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> are we yes. asking for questions? Do we have some shy ones out there? Oh, they're always shy. You know, <laughs> I don't know. They, they they like to listen to me. I get thousands of listeners, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going like, okay, I get thousands of listeners, and yet I get under 100 to actually, you know, call me live. So come on, people. 
says, I know you guys are listening to the show, so why not go ahead and call in now and ask your questions or just comment. Uh, you know, give some uh, feedback here. I shouldn't be the only one that has that gets, you know, to talk to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I said earlier that I was shy in high school, but I'm not shy anymore. No, apparently you <laughs> so, definitely have blossomed. <laughs> people can ask people can ask anything. I'm not I'm not sensitive about my disability. Uh I make light of it very often. In fact, last week I did my my first book signing in Tempe at the Changing Hands bookstore and yeah. um <laughs> when I walked in, one of my old managers from uh from uh one of my first jobs when I moved here to Arizona <laughs> walks up to me and he says it figures, Tony. And I said, what figures? He says, you'd have to have your first book signing at a store called Changing Hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, told, I told the crowd that when, we start, when, I, when the event started. And I got a pretty good chuckle out of it. So I, I, I make light of it all the time. <laughs> yeah, so, so it might be, you know, that some people are going like, uh, should, we, should we be laughing? <laughs> can we say that? No, it's, it's okay. Don't feel guilty, guys. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> Ah, that's that's a good one. That's a good joke. Um, <laughs> so, how was your running when you were younger? Did you uh, did you really have a hard time with the other kids? Well, uh, so I didn't start competing in track and field till I was a sophomore in high school. And the way it came about, and, and I played basketball when I was in middle school, sixth grade. I played basketball for a year, uh, but I had these, you know, really kind of big, bulky, prosthetic legs and. Obviously, the technology wasn't as good then as it is now, mm-hmm. uh, and I never really felt, you know, really mobile on them, and, and I, so I didn't stick with it, at least in an organized fashion. I always was athletic at home and threw the football with my brothers, and we played basketball out in, the, in front of the garage, uh, but when I got into high school, like I said, I was I was kind of shy. My freshman year, I, I spent a lot of the year, you know, kind of to myself. I didn't really interact a lot. I I would eat lunches in the in the homeroom instead of going into the cafeteria. I would just kind of try to blend in, which is difficult to do when you don't have hands and feet. Uh, but there was a there was a key event that happened in high school my freshman year during a game of flag football. And like most times before, I was picked last on this particular day because you know who's going to pick the guy without hands and feet for flag football? So and I was never covered. And one particular day, the quarterback. The main quarterback was injured, so he was sitting out on the sidelines. And play started, and I was running downfield, and I was all by myself, nobody covering me, and he starts screaming to the quarterback, throw it to Tony, he's open. You know, he had never thrown it to me when he was in, but for some reason on this particular play, he said, throw it to Tony, throw it to Tony. So, And I tell this story in my book. And so finally he lets loose with this, this bomb about a 40-yard pass, and I catch it and run it in for a touchdown, and it was the last time I was ever left open. Uh, it was also the last time I was ever picked last. <laughs> so, my my the next year when when high school began or when my sophomore year began, that same uh, gentleman that that uh, or, or I say gentleman now because he's a grown man, but uh, you know this uh, co-student at the time classmate um, came up to me in, in in gym again one day and he said, Hey Tony, you know you're you're kind of fast. I think you should try out for the track team. And and I thought, well. You know, I know that nobody gets cut from the track team, and it would be really a good way for me to meet people and get involved and feel like I'm contributing and being part of the team. And so I thought, you know, with my my brother at my side, as he was th- through my childhood, uh, we both joined track, and he was a year ahead of me. And uh, I came in dead last 
every race my first year in track. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, Patty, I had so much fun meeting people and, again, feeling like I was involved and contributing. I knew I wasn't contributing on the scoreboard in a point total, but I knew I was contributing by maybe providing a little bit of motivation for some of the other kids that were out there. And and that that was important for me. It wasn't until I got into my sophomore or my junior year, excuse me, um, that I was introduced to the FlexFoot technology, or as they're now called, the blades. You know, they're, they're, uh, Oser makes the feet now. They're, the official name for them is the cheetah. Uh, but everyone right now in the world is focused on uh, Oscar Pistorius, who qualified for both the Olympic and Paralympics this year uh, in the 400 meters for the Olympics, and they call him the Blade Runner. And as my coach likes to tell me, I he says, Tony, you were the original Blade Runner. Oscar is now the current Blade Runner. But at any rate, um, so I was introduced yeah. to that technology back in high school. And it wasn't until I got that technology that I was able to start training like an able-bodied athlete and really allow my body to start adapting to having this energy return. And by my, my senior year of high school, I never won a race in high school, but I came in second and third uh, plenty of times, and I was able to letter in high school and definitely was contributing to, um, to the team. And that's what led to my uh, adventures afterwards onto the Paralympic Games. Wow. So that, talk about that, baby steps. <laughs> yes. Well, that, see, this goes to show you that it's not, it wasn't a matter of, you know, some people would have said, well, you weren't winning. So why continue? Yet that didn't stop you. Right. It, it yeah. wasn't. It's a key. It wasn't imp- there. Yeah, it wasn't important to me when I started to to, to be winning. Uh, like I said, it was just really to be involved and feel like I was contributing to the team. A lot of times, it's those unsung heroes, those um, the ones that are never talked about or, or in the spotlight that are really the ones making the biggest impact, but may or may or may not know it. Uh, hmm. It just so happened in my case, things kind of kind of funneled into a um you know a very uh blessed journey as i as i look at it uh and i was able to really really forge ahead yeah that's that's, that's awesome uh it's a, it's a great story that you've got here is there anything in specific that you wanted to share with us uh from the book itself oh goodness um you know, so I have to say, obviously, I think it's the most amazing book ever written. No, I, I'm kidding. It's, um, I think, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a light read. It's a quick read. I think the message is really powerful. There's a lot of really, I think, a lot of really funny stories in it. Um, I think there, you know, I tell some stories about meeting uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno, who, who were idols of mine as I was growing up. Um, dinner with Joe DiMaggio um, before he passed away. There's, there's lots of really kind of neat. Um, stories in it, I, and, and the feedback I've been getting has actually been, um, I've been really overwhelmed and, and pleased with, um, people are saying that they feel like they're literally right there with me as I'm going through these experiences through my childhood and into adulthood. I think it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. I'm also, and letting everyone know where to get your books, because it's important to do that. You've got an Amazon link there, guys, as well as a link direct to your website, I want everyone, okay, yeah. everyone to know where, yes, so that way they can click right on it and get over to your book. If you happen to be local here in Arizona, Changing Hands still has, uh, uh, I think, uh, no, maybe 20 or 30 copies left. So if you rush mm-hmm. on over there, I'm sure I think there might be even a couple signed ones out there. I'll go to Changing Hands. 
Yeah, I know those guys over there. They're fun. So. <laughs> it's a neat place. Did you do a book signing over there? I did. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one I had done last week. And, wow. and just a lot of fun. You know, it was funny. I I um I, I was asked before I went in if I could indicate, you know, about how many people I knew that I had committed to me that were going to be coming and and you know, a lot of people will commit and then, then something comes up and life kind of gets in the way and and I right. said, "Well, I I've really only heard from about 15 or so people." Uh, and then, so they, based on you know the averages when authors come in, they said, okay, well we'll sit out about maybe 40 or 50 chairs, and and we'll, you know we'll go from there. Ended up being about 110 people. Um, just had a blast. Uh, uh, got to sit down and, and talk for uh, maybe 35, 40 minutes with them and answer questions. And I, I really felt uh, you know really really strong positive connection with the audience. A lot of kids there. It was really really uh, great to see. Kids are. I think kids are the greatest when it comes to asking questions because they just don't hold back. They right. don't have a they don't, they don't have a filter. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> you know, they, they want to know something they're going to ask, and and I encourage that. I, I um, you know, oftentimes when I'm out and about, people will ask, or I'll you know, hear a child make a comment to their parent about, look at look at that man without hands or feet, and and a lot of times the parent will kind of grab them and say, no, 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 don't say that. That's not nice. Well, they're making an observation. They're not trying to be mean. Um, right. You know, they're not po- they're not pointing and laughing and 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 making a joke. They're saying, "Wow, look!" And I really encourage those parents out there that are that are hearing this to let your kids explore, let them talk. Um, you know, f- hopefully you won't come across um, one of those people out there that's really sensitive. Um, I think more and more this day and age, uh, there's less and less of that amongst the, the disabled community. But they're definitely, obviously, still out. Of course, there's those out there that don't have any disability that's visible that. You don't want to talk. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, day, but. may not even see the disability to really. Right. You know. <laughs> Has there ever been a time in your life that you say, "What am I doing? Why, why am I driven like this? Should I? Why do I continue?" Uh. Well, I. So I've never had a why me moment as far as my, and I know that's not what you're asking, but I, a lot of a lot of people will ask that. And for those of you that are out there that are thinking it but aren't calling in, uh, I'll answer <laughs> it. I, I've never I've never thought um, I've never had the thought of why me as far as being born without hands and feet. I I, I really look at, at the way I was born as really being a blessing. I feel that um, it has taken me to places and to heights that I would not have gotten to had I been born. Normal, <laughs> quote unquote normal. Yeah, they the um, work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, throughout my career, even when I was running, you know, I, I, I never had a, a feeling that I was that I was not on the right path, and and I always, when I was, you know, in, in athletics especially, I always looked at my performances in this light, and that was, if I went out and ran a race and I got beat, but I ran faster than I'd ever run before. I could not be disappointed in myself. Right. But if I went out and ran a race and, and lost and I ran a horrible time, then I, I, I would be a little bit disappointed in myself. Um, and I was always the first to give credit to the athlete that, that did win because the, on that day at that time, they were they were better athlete in that, in that race. Uh, I've had others question my energy level and, and my and my drive and you know what keeps you pushing forward and moving and moving and and I think it always comes back to passion. If you really have passion for what it is you're doing, 
you're going to have a never-ending source of energy for it. So there's never been a time, never been a time where you've been so tired that you wondered why you you were continuing to do what you're doing. Uh, you know, I'm sure there have been, but none that really stick out as as being a, a you know like a sticky point. I think that you know, sure, there were times when I would work out that um, afterwards I would think, wow, what is this worth it? What am I doing? <laughs> but but I can tell you, you know, when you it is. When you stand on uh, the podium and you hear the national anthem play and you know it's because of your efforts that your country is being honored in that moment, that right there answers all of those questions about whether it was worth it. And even though you know, I, I, I was fortunate to have done that four times through two Paralympics, and in 2000 um, I crashed and burned in the, uh, in the 200 meter. I, I came in fourth in the 100 and then in the 200 prelims came around the corner faster than I'd ever uh, run before, and I ended up tearing my hamstring and, and went, went down kind of in a ball of flames. But even then, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I just remember looking up and seeing the Olympic flame as I was kind of sprawled out on the track and, and just having kind of a flashback of all of my good, great memories throughout my athletic career, and not that I was, you know, crumpled up in a heap on, on, on Olympic Stadium. Um, so even in that moment... Although I was disappointed and I wish I'd have been able to hold the corner and, and finish that race because, again, I felt like it, it would have been a world record, I believe. Um, but even in that moment, I, I couldn't help but go back to all the positive things that had happened in my life and the fact that I was actually there. That moment happened for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a, a, another important concept for people to understand is that some things happen in our lives that we may not understand. And, and I've always kind of lived my life with the mindset that it's, it's happened for a reason, and I may or may never know what that reason was, but I just have to believe and trust and have faith that there was a reason for it. And I think that helps us let go of some of those negative things that have happened in the past and just continue to look toward the positives that are yet to come. You know, in this day and age, you know, it's, you know we've all been through a lot as Americans. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, wonder to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Because so many people forget these things. You know, I've forgotten these things throughout my career. It's natural, I think, to sometimes um, waver off of our path. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. The more, to me, the more we fight the path that we're supposed to be on, the more we resist it, the worse things get. That's, that 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 seems to me to, to have always been the case. The more we embrace and the more we accept the path that we're supposed to be on, and, and it's hard to say for any specific person, because I know people are asking, well, how do I know when I'm on the right path? Um, you just have to trust your gut and your feeling and, and just know that what you're doing is right. You know, obviously, if you're, if you're out doing immoral, law-breaking things, you're not on the right path. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, I think there's right, definitely right. some common sense that would play into that, but uh, but that's been my experience. Yeah, it's we've got people who you know um, are losing their homes, uh, and you know losing their livelihood and losing their money that they've been you know working towards all their lives. But you know, they still have their lives. Right. 
yet there's no. some who decide to end it, and I just don't understand that. Well, if it if it helps the listeners to know, and this this is in my book, and I go through some of my hardships in my book as well. I lost my house uh, a little over three years ago. Uh, you know, I was one of those. I was one of those that was in that same situation that that so many millions of others have now gone through. Yeah, uh, I did two years ago, so we're both in the same boat. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, I think it's you know another important lesson is even even the the best of the best or or those that are perceived maybe as being you know having already made it um, will fall from the top sometimes. And it's it, it, what really defines us is how we're able to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and continue to push forward and and get there again. That, exactly. I think that. My coach used to talk about having the heart of a champion, and and having the heart of the champion doesn't really have to equate to any sort of athletic achievement. Um, having the heart of a champion is just that that die hard, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The unwillingness to give up, just constantly pushing forward and just and always doing the right thing, and 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 picking ourselves up when when we're feeling down and and and. You know, I, when I'm having a bad day, I'll try to do something nice for somebody else because at least I know I've helped make their day a little bit brighter, and then that makes me feel better. So, yeah, you know, yeah. whether whether it's my wife here at home, um, you know, Patty, is it fun to, to clean the kitchen and do dishes all the time? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so right. if we've had a long day or she's had a long day, and and uh, you know, I can kind of, I I can feel that, then I'll you know, make an, an extra effort to go in and maybe do a little bit more cleanup than, than I normally would on that particular day. Or, you know, we all have our ruts and our routines, and sometimes it's fun just to break the cycle and mix it up a little bit. There you go. There you go. I, you know, the, I'm going to say this. It's it's not just your situation. Uh, you would be an inspiration even without that. Oh, Even without the disability, because you already have that winner mentality. So, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I just love talking to people who have a positive outlook in life, and are, are you know giving back to others the same thing that they they have received sometime. And uh, and that's really how it should be. I agree. I wish there were more of us out there. <laughs> that's part of what that's part of what I'm trying to do is make more of us. There you go. Well, you got the book, <laughs> and you know you're getting the message out, and and that's really you, you, you know you have to do that because that's what, where you are right now is is getting the word out and and you know getting your message and trying to show others, hey, you know, just because you've lost some things doesn't mean this is the end. So. Right. That's you know you you got more work to do. Yeah, to, uh, uh, yeah. I just look at it more as an oppor- again more more of an opportunity. Right. You know. I, just, if, oh, go ahead. I can share something with you. I almost died about ten years ago. Oh. And uh, I was in the hospital in and out for four times in one year, and I almost died uh, the third time I was there. And I was okay with that. You know, even though my son wouldn't understand. I was okay. I was, you know, that that was the end, and that was okay. But when I survived, I realized that there were other things I needed to do, and I wasn't doing them. 
Okay. You recognize the opportunity. Yeah. Which is which is why I went back to writing and why I help other authors to get their word out. To get oh, their book out. And and that's why I sit here and talk to people and, and, and say, Hey, you know, let's get the net word out about your book because it it means something. Wow. Wow, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> oh, I, I, I truly appreciate, um, uh, you know, I, I I try to keep a very um, kind of level set view of myself. And, and I know that I do have maybe a little more energy than, than the average Joe, but I, I do kind of see myself as the average Joe. I, I, I don't think that, that anything I've necessarily done is is, is extraordinary or, and, and out of the reach of, of anybody that out, that's out there listening. Um, you know, I, I, I like to say that there's greatness in all of us and, and mm. achieving that greatness um, is all about overcoming our own perceived limitations. Uh, so, you know, if it's somebody that uh, wants to lose 10 pounds or 100 pounds, you know, um, just because one number is larger than the other doesn't make that other, you know, the larger number a, biggest, a bigger accomplishment. Uh, for that individual that wants to lose 10 pounds, um, you know, that 10 pounds could be harder for them to lose than the person that has more to lose. And, and yeah. being able to recognize that and, um, you know, just convince themselves that they're capable of doing whatever it is they set their mind to and then just going out and executing. My coach used to tell me that, when I'd get to the track for the actual track meet, that was my payday. He said, Tony, you've already done all the work. You already know the outcome. Now you just got to go do it. And that, that always put me at ease when I get to a big track meet because I would think to myself, well, geez, coach told me I've already put the work in, and I have. So this is payday. And and, and I go out and, and just go through the motions. Um, one story I tell in my book, Patty, is is about – when I rebroke my 200-meter world record back in Barcelona. So I broke it in, in 1992 in Barcelona, and then it took me seven years to break it again, and it was back in Barcelona in 1999. And I had run a uh, – I didn't break the world record in the 100-meter in that same meet, but I but I won the race, and, and I had been beaten a couple months earlier in the 100-meter. And, and so for me it was it was uh, kind of re reestablishing myself as you know as the world champion. And I was so excited and so pumped after I won the 100 meter. It was very close to my world record, just three hundredths of a second off. I started announcing to anybody around me who could hear me that I was going to break the world record in the 200 meter two hours later. And when I set up for that race, I remember thinking to myself how good it felt to have broken the world record. And the race hadn't started yet. (laughs) I, I, I literally remember feeling... Uh, 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 this this buzz and this this peacefulness about wow this feels so good to have finally broken my world record I knew before that gun went off that it was happening and I went out and executed <laughs> because I I knew it. you know when we talk about that again back back to if you can dream it you can achieve it and and you know the law of attraction um, you know I sometimes it's it's not necessarily about just saying this is what I want it's believing that what it is that you want is already there that will draw it to you and, and, and attract it to you. And, and, and that's still for me it. to this day, yeah. it's a difficult, yeah, it's a difficult concept to, to really grasp. But um, I, I, I just feel blessed that I've had 
somebody guiding me along the way, <laughs> many people guiding me along the way. That's definitely true. And, of course, there, there are some who say, well, yes, but they didn't receive that kind of uh, backing. But, again, they, they doesn't mean that they can't do it. No, they can draw it to themselves. That's right, the, that's which, which the is what you're saying. Right. Right. That, yeah, that's the power of that positive thinking and that law of attraction. And, and if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I mean, I know it sounds so cliche to hear that and for someone to say that and kind of spew it out there, but it really is true and it really does work. It's just it's just convincing yourself and like I like I've said a couple of times, you know, getting past your own perceived limitations and believing that whatever it is that you're wanting is already yours and then it'll be there. Might take could, a while to get it, but it'll get there. There you go. Uh there's another author, a local author, an Arizona author who is is of the same mindset as you. And uh, it's almost uncanny when I listen I've listened to both of you now. Um uh-huh. James Owen. He okay. is an author and an artist, and um, he um, he lost the ability to be able to uh, draw because of an injury. He okay. had a car accident that caused him not to be able to draw, and the doctor said you'll never be able to draw again. Wow. Um, that didn't stop him. <laughs> yeah. So he he it sounds like he, an, I need to meet I need to meet James. He's he's an awesome guy. I've I've I met him a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's going to be at CopperCon, uh, which is uh, our speculative fiction uh, oh, okay. convention here in uh, in September. And I will be having him on the show before that before that time because yeah I want to interview him before. Um, he's got several books that he, you know, because his publisher said, well, these are great stories, but, you know, kind of like your, your book, we don't know how to market that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, an inspirational story, yet they didn't know what to do with it. Mm. So he went to Kickstart, you know, Kickstart on, online oh, and, yeah. and Said, you know, I this is what I'm doing. I I really wanted to get this message out to people. It's called drawing drawing out the dragon. And it, it, he explains exactly what happened in his life and and how he at certain times he just would not stop. He would not stop, and and he was motivated and dri- and driven to do what he needed to do, just like you have. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So. Didn't stop him. So when when he when he lost the ability to be able to draw, he looked back at what he's already done, and said, "That I don't accept that. Right. <laughs> I don't accept that because I I know I can do this." Right. And he he got around it, and he's now drawing. And he he matter of fact, uh, one of the only authors I've ever met who Simon & Schuster allowed to actually draw their own book covers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a big feat because it's a big that public. Is, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes, you do well, that. <laughs> and Simon & Schuster in itself is a big feat. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, wow. his stories are, are you know, of course, he draws and writes. So, you know, he's, he's like the Ray Bradbury of our time. Right. I, I call him that because Ray Bradbury... Love this guy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and we just lost Ray not too long ago. 
Right. And, uh, and so he's been to conventions where, where Ray's run up to him and, or, you know, wheeled, wheeled over to him and said, hey, I know you. I want to talk to you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I just I just found him on Amazon. There you go. And, he's, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check this out. He's an inspirational person who goes out and talks about this and goes to the schools especially because okay. he wants the messages to get out to their kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. This looks like uh, I like I do I like the cover. That's <laughs> that's a neat cover. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beautiful work. And yeah. while he's while he's doing the motivational speaking, he's actually draws the dragon. Oh my goodness. That's, and that's so neat. each piece has something to do with the story and at the end of the story the dragon's done. Uh, he says that anybody could do it. I like that. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to challenge him on that one. I don't have hands. No, I could do it. I'll put the pen in my... No, I can draw. <laughs> he would probably tell you other ways that you could do it. If I can sign my name, with. I can draw. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way he is. You know, he would say, yeah, I shouldn't stop you. You're, you're running. He said, I don't run. <laughs> so we both have, have uh, great things that, you know, that you guys are attributing to this world, and I think that's that's the way it should be. Oh, thank you. It's both motivated and and uh, and almost the same message, which is is why I thought you should you should know a little more about him. I, I I'm quite sure I'm going to let him know a little more about you. Okay. You're I, both I, in I the sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be the heat. I don't know. <laughs> It draws us inspirational people. I don't know what it is, but uh, we're we're here. So speaking of the dragon, we're at the end of our show, and I'm going to ask you a question that I asked for to almost everyone who I interview, and okay. I'm very curious to see what you're going to say. All right. Okay. Now that you successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? Wow, that's a great question. Um well, I think to be able to share the um the message or the um share with everyone around me the feat of slaying the dragon um share my message with as many people as I can and try to empower them to be able to defend us should another dragon need to be slain down the road. That's probably the first time I've heard that version. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's just why that's such a cool question because everybody answered differently. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I know and I did. Having, I, I saw that and I had to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you for having me on tonight. Um, it's been a true pleasure talking with you, and 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 I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to spread my message and and uh, and and truly make an impact. So I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. That's what I'm here for, and uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I say Randy was right. She said uh, <laughs> that, that you would be a, a pleasure to talk to, and you definitely oh. have. Well, thank you, and, and <laughs> I'll, th- I'll thank Randy, too, because I'll, <laughs> I'll be talking to her tomorrow. I will be sending her, the uh, obviously, the link for the finished show, finish show, so that way you can put it up in wherever you want to put it up. Oh, thank you. Okay. Okay. 
your embedded code because it's uh, obviously getting the, this message out. It includes you know your audio files. So um, hey, I wish you all the best, and, and I'm going to be looking for that book, and because I, I will be spreading it around. Uh, you know, once I read it, I want to want to hand it to others who need some uplifting. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, that I know personally. So, okay. so with that, I'm going to say good night and and you know, give everybody a hug on your end. I will. Thank you, Patty. Okay. I'm giving I'm giving you a virtual hug. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye bye. That was Tony, and as you heard, it's actually real good pleasure to talk to him. I think that. Um, Obviously, he's gone very far, and he's going to, you know, here he is starting to run again and going to compete again. So, you know, wow. You know, we wish him all the luck on that. Just to let you know some of the things that we've got going on. Uh, tomorrow, we've got the media kit for beginner, for beginning uh, webinars of beginners. Media kit for beginners. I am holding that um, through Learn It Live. I don't have the. I have to find out here while I'm talking. Anyway, um, that is not a free one, but it definitely is complete rundown of all the different parts of Media Kit because so many authors don't get that right. Um, Tony's got quite a bit of stuff on his website. It's good, pretty good example of a. Media kit. I would probably, if I were him, uh, put a couple more things in there, uh, some excerpts from his book, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, these are things that we'll be going over tomorrow, and that is at 8:30 in the morning, Arizona time, or uh, Mountain time, and then on. Go back here. On uh, Saturday, actually, I'm doing a, a, a book signing. I know I haven't done those uh, very often my, by, all by myself, as I usually do them with a group. But tomorrow I'll be talking, uh, or not tomorrow, but Saturday from 11 in the morning to 2, I'll be out at the book rack, which is off of Signal Beat Road and the 60. And I'll be talking about time travel, why we, as um, uh, as a society, uh, really drawn to time travel ideas in not only books, but also in uh, a lot of different television shows and movies. Also, the face, the real physics behind uh, time travel and why I use real physics rather than uh, what most romance writers write, uh, which is not really true physics behind the time travel. So, why is that important to me? And... Uh, why I think time travel is, is is such a key element in a lot of stories right now. So that'll be on this Saturday on the fourth. I also have a another uh, webinar on newspaper passion. That is uh, the passion of newspapers and why I think that newspapers are still you know the paper media is still uh, important in our society and why. Uh, that's uh, growing instead of it's growing to have we have a lot more newspapers out there now than we have in the last few years and then we've got uh, 
some of the book signings. We had Chet Shoup over in, and again, the book rack, 11 to 2 on the 11th, Saturday the 11th. We've got Rob Ulmer also signing at the book rack on the 25th. Same time, 11 to 2. Don Jocks, uh, he was supposed to sign with me tomorrow, but he, we're moving him to the 25th at the book rack from 6 p.m. to 8. On Kate Wad, we've got a, uh, we've got another, I'm taking off a couple of weeks because I'm in the middle of moving. <laughs> so, uh, also my son is moving to Texas, so I won't be having any shows for the next couple of weeks. I will, however, have an interview that I'm doing uh, for someone else on newspapers and connotation newspapers specifically, which is an Arizona newspaper. Uh, it's, I have an interview on It Matters Radio, which is a blog talk station, so take a look at It Matters Radio. And on the 22nd, I will have uh, the next interview with on KWOD Radio with Lynn Boston, the author of Through the Third Eye, and a personal friend of mine. Also on uh, that week, on the 23rd, I'll be interviewing Eddie Updike. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, Eddie. Eddie Upnick. And then we have a big, we have another uh, show with a lot of different authors all at once because we're going on tour, uh, the Arizona book tour. And so we will have a show on the 27th. With a bunch of us, you know, uh, be Todd Van Hooser, uh, Jen Zepp, and um, probably them Boston, maybe uh, a couple others, and Rob, and I, myself, Chet Shoup, all of uh, going to get ready to go to Prescott. So we will definitely need to talk about all that, and we will do that on Monday, the 27th, and our actual uh, tour. Starts on the 29th. We will be out at the Dewey Humboldt Public Library on Wednesday, the 29th, from 1 to 3. That's a Dewey Humboldt Public Library. So if you guys are in that area, definitely give uh, the Dewey Humboldt Library a call. We're on the calendar. And obviously get a map of where that's going to be. We will be discussing uh, independent publishing and why each of us individually, we have fiction authors as well as non-fiction authors, why we took, uh, you know, not so much independent publishing, but small small publishing houses, um, why do we took that route instead of going to the big, through the big publishing houses. And then uh, 5 o'clock that same day, uh, so we're one, 1 to 3 in Dewey Humble, and then we're going to Prescott, and uh, that's we're going to be at the Prescott Library, and that's from five to seven thirty. Again, Wednesday the twenty ninth, from five to seven thirty. And we're going to be in no, you know what room that isn't. See here, we're going to be in in Joy Humboldt. Library. We're going to be in the, in the J.W. Mitchell room, which is downstairs. They've got a wonderful area down there with a, a big room uh, downstairs. 
Then at the Prescott Library, we're going to be at the Founders Suite A and B. That's a big room. And I believe that's downstairs or upstairs. You know what? I don't quite know. Let's see the downstairs or upstairs, but definitely in the Founders Room A and B. So that'll be a, a big day. If, if you guys are anywhere in that area, definitely take a look at the uh, at both of those libraries' uh, calendar to find out more. And I think that's about that's it for August. Uh, obviously, the last thing on the schedule here for me and for our group is CopperCon 32, which starts on the 31st of August. And goes through Labor Day. So uh, again, that's CopperCon 32, and that's going to be out this this year. It's going to again be out the same place it was last year, which is Avondale, at the hotel out there. And you guys can take a look online and find CopperCon 32 to find out more information about that. Uh, org. And from there, you can find the convention information as well as Connotations, which is a newspaper that I'm managing editor for. So uh, definitely good to get some information there. CopperCon 32. And that will be into September. So I'm going to stop there, as I know we've got some books on it, but I will talk more about that on the 20, um, a couple weeks from now when I start um, doing more shows again. Again, I'll take a couple weeks off, and then I've got uh, quite a few shows coming up. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight, and you guys, this is Wad Radio. This is Patty Holstrand signing out for the night. You guys have a great one. <laughs>